Hi, Brownie. Uh, How are you? I feel like I hear you. I hear you guys in my head because I listen to you so much. Um, and your inner dialogue uh, always p- plays in my head when I'm watching Bravo shows. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. The thing of the thing of nightmares. <laughs> um, what's, what's going on? I'm so happy to have you guys here. I'm going to do a little intro thing and then we're going to get right to it. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Um, welcome to another episode of What's Up Woody, the podcast where it's time to have a real conversation. My name is Woody Woodbeck, your host, and today's guests are two men that have changed the landscape of TV podcasts. Please welcome Ben Arami from Watch What Crappens. Hi, guys. Hey, Woody. Uh, Thanks Woody. for having us. I yeah. am so excited to have you guys here. You have no idea. That's <laughs> oh, so exciting to be here. I have to tell you, um, I just want to put all the rumors to rest right now. I, in fact, did not receive fellatio behind Republic. It did not okay. happen. Okay. Don't care what Grace Lily You're says. probably the only one. <laughs> Sounds like a prime alley to me. Jesus, that restaurant looks like a dump, but I'll be visiting that alley. <laughs> oh, I, uh, I want to, I, I obviously, you guys know, like as a producer, I can only say so much and talk so much about the shows, but I definitely want to get into um, some Bravo talk, of course, because we can't not talk Bravo. I can't have you guys on my show and not talk about Bravo. Totally. And I have a little history with Bravo. You know, she's been around the block a few times. Okay. Um, I've worked on. <laughs> 14 Bravo shows with really with the seasons. I think so. Yeah. 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 So I know a few or two of uh, cast members that you've talked about in my days. That's for sure. Oh my um, God. Um, which yes. ones have you worked on? Are you allowed uh, to say? Yes, I am. I'll get, I'll get to them. We'll get, we'll, we'll get to the Bravo chapter. I want to get to know you guys a little bit more. I want to talk about, so watch what crappens. I feel like I heard an episode recently where you guys are celebrating 10, 11 years of, of, doing this show so yeah. talk to me about its inception and like how did it come to be wow well um the inception is that ronnie and i were bloggers together back in the mid-aughts at the time of the hills and the peak of like amazing race and big brother and all those well big brother's still on so but um we were bloggers together and then around 2010 or so um 10 or 11 I was hired to be the host of a web show called Housewives Hoedown. And my job was that I had to bring on guests to be on this web show with me. And so I was like, well, Ronnie's funny. I remember, you know, Ronnie from the blog, not to be confused with Jenny from the block, but Ronnie <laughs> from the blog. I was like, he's so funny. We always we always kept up and um, brought him on. And we just had like, we had so much fun talking about the real housewives. And there was another guy, Matt Whitfield, and the three of us would just sort of chat, chat, chat. And then um, eventually, after a year, the whole network that the web show was on, that folded. But we decided, like, why do we have to stop? Like, let's get involved in this whole uh, podcasting thing. So the three of us decided to start Watch What Crappens. And um, after about the first nine or ten months, Matt Matt went off to pursue career opportunities. But Ryan and I have stuck with it. And, um, yeah, that's where it all came from. Wow, that is pretty amazing. Um Ronnie, what what did you think about this whole idea of jumping into the podcast world? Because clearly you guys were before everyone was doing podcasts. I feel like now everyone and their mother has a podcast, but. Yeah, I thought it was stupid. I mean, I <laughs> podcast had just come out. I thought the name of it, like podcast is stupid. 
I think just that word is a stupid word. Sure. I was like, this. I was like, don't we do enough shit for free? I mean, we're already TV bloggers, and Ben was like the head of that pyramid. You know, like he started the blog, and he ended up selling it, and I took it over. So I was making like a couple hundred dollars or whatever <laughs> to run it, but um, I wasn't paying my rent. I was still waiting tables and stuff, and I had moved to LA to be an actor. You know, I was doing a lot of improv and. All I was doing is improv, really, like five nights a week, pretty much. And so I was like, am I ever going to do anything that we get paid for? It's like improv you do for free. Then you take all the classes, which you pay for, you know, and then the blogging mostly was for free. And I'd done it for free for a long time. And so then the podcast thing, I was like, another free thing. I mean, is that what we're moving on to? Just a free, is that what free economy is going to mean in America? I'm just going to become an old man. But you know, like joking aside, really, I didn't care. You know, I'm I'm used to living off of very low amounts of money. And I really just live to get a laugh. And so for me, it was just a way to laugh with these guys. And, um, you know, that's all I do, really. I mean, I've spent my entire adult life pretty much just laughing my ass off every day. And so, you know, I'll do what I'll do. Whatever the next thing technology is going to bring to our, you know, I'll do that too, even but I will call it stupid first. <laughs> and don't forget, by the way, we both of us were TV recappers. So it was like writing a term paper every night. And mm -hmm. so to be able to actually just talk and make jokes without having to write anything for at that time, it was just like an hour, sort of a, a brief overview. We didn't even take notes on the shows at that time. It was so easy. Yeah. So it was actually like really nice. And we weren't doing anything. I mean, we always talk about how Ronnie was a cater waiter on the side. I was driving waiter, Uber. Waiter, okay, you say cater oh, waiter, but you have to understand when you're talking to a waiter, how dare you call me a cater waiter? Okay? I yeah, thought you were a like cater waiter too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, towards the end, um, I would pick up some more shifts doing that. But yeah, like I was a restaurant waiter. That is a lot harder than a cater waiter. So he was a full <laughs> varsity level waiter. Yes. That's like saying you work at Bourbon and Bubbles and not Republic. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly. a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I grace lily my way, like selfied my way back into restaurant waitering. You know? <laughs> I, I love it. And posed at a VIP stand. Well, we didn't have like cell phone cameras back then, but I would like pose at the, you know, valet stand and just draw myself. Just so <laughs> selfies back then. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, where are you guys originally from? I'm from New York originally. Okay. Like yeah, the I'm city from or from elsewhere? Like suburban New York, up in Westchester County. Okay. So I moved. I moved to LA in 2001. So I've been okay. here a long time now, tw almost 22 years. Yeah, people always forget how large New York is because I'm from I'm from New York too. And when I say oh. I'm from New York, they're like, "Oh, where from? Where in the city are you from?" And I'm like, "No, no, up, upstate New York, oh. like by the actual capital of New York. Like I'm from oh, like the Albany area. Or something. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about you? Seen that part of New York? It's beautiful. It really is. It's yeah, that's what I hear. And in movies, when people from the city are always like moving to the country, but it's just upstate. It's know? 45 minutes north. <laughs> yeah, I know. But it I looks hate... beautiful in all those movies. It is. You know? it I is. can see why so many ghosts move there to murder families. Yeah. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> Where are you from, Ronnie? <laughs> I'm from El Paso, Texas. I moved to New York City, the city, the big city, mm -hmm. on my 18th birthday. And I lived there for like 10-ish years. And then I lived in L.A. for 15. And then now I'm here in Austin, Texas. You know, I really I've done a lot of shows in Texas and um, 
I, I used to do a lot of casting in El Paso. For some reason, they always really? sent me there when I would be doing like what? casting. I would cast the real world or like Bad Girls Club and we would go there all the time. Oh, girl, I don't know why. Yeah. 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 So we would always do open casting calls there. But I remember, isn't there like a super dangerous city that's right outside of El Paso or is that Albuquerque? I forget. But I remember like really having a good time in El Paso. I always thought the people were so nice. Yeah, El Paso is a great place because it's mostly Mexican. It's right on the border. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. And so it's it's kind of Mexico. You know, you grow up very much in that culture, which is really cool. And um, uh, Juarez is is the city that's right next to El Paso in Mexico. But it's not. I wouldn't. I don't think it's dangerous. I think there was a, a moment in the in the aughts where it had yes, a very bad. I think rep. that's probably when I visited, oh, and they were well, like, "Don't go twenty Paso, minutes that way." Girl, I've got my El Paso blinders on. I just got there for the <laughs> five dollar retina. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had to get wasted when you're thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> so when you guys started to see um, this like shift in your show, and people started to notice, like what what was that? experience like and when did it happen that was really cool i feel like um we started to see a shift around 2015 or 16 or so we started to suddenly get a little bit of momentum we got some mentions by some larger podcasts that that really um uh really kind of like raised our profile on the on the apple charts and everything and uh it's sort of a it's an indescribable kind of shift you just sort of notice more activity on social media on at Facebook, et cetera. And then, um, but the, the big sort of like landmark turning point for us, I think was in 2017 when we did our first really big live show. Cause we'd done some little ones at the improv for like 60 people prior to then like a few here and there. Uh, and then we went and we did a show at the Gotham comedy club in New York city. And that was like 200, 250 people in that room. And we really thought like, Oh God, it's going to be, we'll get like 70 people to show up, you know, cause that was about how many would get to show up in the, in uh, LA. And so then when that, that room was packed, it sold out in half a day and we went and it was just like, the crowd was so amped and was so excited. And we just were not expecting that whatsoever. And, um, I was crying like I won American Idol. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> Thank hello, you. Hello. We didn't. It was it was amazing, and I think that was the first time we really realized that there was a future for us as being um, not just a podcast, but actually a a live show, live show experience. And that was, I think, that was like the first really big gust of wind in our sails. That's amazing. And then ob- obviously, as you're, you, you know, you're uh, the Bravo celebrities of it all started to take notice who was like yeah. the first one that really started to give you guys the credit jill zarin <laughs> and see, <laughs> really this is, what's, this is what's funny about it because we don't you know ben and i look at it differently you know okay I, to me it feels like just the same thing as when we started really i mean yeah we're going on tour the situation has changed but and I guess even though the style that we use all grew from that same thing, but it's still us just showing up every day in our underwear, like laughing. So it's not hugely different. And I don't know how small or big it is because you can't tell. Like there's no like billboards chart. Like you have the Apple's podcasting, you can kind of get a gist, but you don't know how well everybody else is doing. Like there's nothing to compare it to. And we don't talk to anybody because we're just, a, it's so insular, you know? Sure. And so I really don't know. I just kind of have the same amount of fun, really, no matter what. But the first uh, Bravo person to reach out to us was Jill Zarin. 
and we talked to her like i mean that was like episode 25 i think or something like that do we and we talked to her before leah black yeah i don't know somewhere wow so jill zarin was our first big one wow i think so it was jill zarin or leah black i mean that's quite that's quite the get (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but you know, because at the time there weren't really a lot of podcasts or anything. Right. So, you know, they hear, you know, and I don't think they sit and listen to them either, by the way. That no one has that amount of time. But I think that, you know, their assistant or whoever would be like, hey, these guys are like saying they're being mean and funny <laughs> about you. So and Jill had just been let go from New York at the time, right, Ben? Had she been yeah, let go? She was- she was, she had, yeah, it was about, um, it was, it was like that year after Roni, after they got rid of Jill, Roni went on a break for like a year. We all kind of forget about that, but Roni was gone for a while. And it was like during that time uh, that I think she reached out to us and she did yeah, like so this whole. Out because her, you know, their, their assistants tell them, oh, you know what? It's the internet. That's what's going to save you. You know, you right. need to talk to the internet. And so she was like, all right, all right, let's talk. Let's talk then. You know, like, what do you need to do, boys? You know, and we were <laughs> on the phone with her for a couple of hours and almost everyone we've met has been that way. It's just been someone who's kind of heard we're talking shit about them and they just they'll listen to it and either get the joke or not and just come hang out and have fun you know what's interesting is i I wanted to ask you guys about that because obviously you know when we do these shows you know mine is much more interview based like i i basically like my tagline is time to have a conversation so like that's literally how i want my podcast to feel when somebody tunes in it's like me and -and so-and-so shooting the shit you know, I don't mm-hmm. I don't do fancy intros really. Like I just wanted to feel like we're we smoked a ball and like we're hanging out on my couch. That's like the vibe that I'm going for. You guys obviously definitely tell a lot of jokes within your recaps and definitely poke fun of the people on the show. So how do you find a balance of being funny and mean and like, or do you really even fucking care? Like, I, I, I really want to know. I think we do care because we don't want to be trolls. You know, we don't want to be internet trolls. We don't want to have a podcast where like, look at her. She's like, she looks stupid. She looks fat. She's ugly. You know, I mean, we may teeter into that area once in a while, but I think like, you know, I don't know how it is that, like, you know, I don't make like a conscious decision of like tonally this is how i'm going to be today it's sure. more just i think we just have that vibe i think that ryan and i both um we maybe we just like um at the end of the day we don't we don't want people to think that we're like dicks you know and when you don't want people to think you're truly a dick you can tr- maybe find that that like middle path of like making fun uh without being awful but we're kind of you know always viewed it as like just how you said your podcast is a conversation and it's just like you want to just feel like it's people smoking a bowl on, on a yeah. sofa. Ours has always been like you're hanging out with your friend talking about the show you just watched or watching the show together and like the snarky yeah. comments that you make when you watch these shows. I mean, yeah, I'm I, a mean- dick. I don't care. So, like, <laughs> I am a dick and that's my personality. I also kind of look at it. I look at it like making a cartoon. Like we take the shows, we don't tell you exactly even what happens on the shows, as you know. We make up half the shit that comes out of our mouths because we just kind of improvise it. We kind of write write down what happened and then we make crazy cartoon characters out of the people and then we just improvise kind of based off that grid. And so I just look at it like that. 
And if you're making a character, you know, even if it's a real person, you have to look like they're a real person and they have feelings, you know, like TJ is a little shit in the first half of the season of your show. And he made me crazy. But by the end, you kind of like him because it's like, oh, I can see like maybe where his insecurities are or you know, I'm also a big self-help person. So I've read all these books. It's like, put yourself in someone else's shoes, learn empathy. And so yeah. some, sometimes even if I'm being a shithead, you know, I try and see that they're also real people. It's just like real life, kind of, you know? Yeah, I mean- bitch In real life, I'm like, that person is real, Ronnie. Don't push <laughs> your grocery cart into their car on purpose. Also, I, I live in this weird space. I don't know if this is necessarily true for Ronnie too, but I live in this weird space on the podcast where I watch these shows and I'm like a genuine fan of some of these people. And then, but at the same time with the podcast, we sort of are critics in a certain way. Like we're not like a show about criticism, but like, I think there's an expectation of, um, of, of being uh, open to attack everyone savagely if necessary. And so like, there's this weird thing of um, wanting to go in on someone, but then thinking, oh, they might actually be listening and that's, but I actually love that person. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't want them to dislike me. And like, I go through this whole sort of thing yeah, where I'm that. like, I don't know what, I, you know, I can't help <laughs> it. I, I've tried to divorce myself from it. We've had so many conversations <laughs> I where I say, that. you I know what? I respect that in Ben, but I do not have that. I don't give a shit. And if we meet someone in real life, you know, it used to be harder because you like them all. They're all crazy and they're all wonderful, right? Or they wouldn't be on TV. There's something about them that's so charming. And so we come back and we're like, oh, we can't, you feel bad because now you know the person, but I even go in harder because I know if, especially if someone saw on Instagram or something that we were hanging out, that they will get pissed. Our audience does not stand for that. If they feel like you've become too nice to somebody because you're real life friends, they will call our asses out on it. And I'm not here to make the Bravo people happy. We've been around more than longer than some of the bravo people i'm worried about my own job i want to like you i've got to be honest these people will t rip you apart if they feel like you're not being truthful you know so yeah i just try and divorce it and i just tell people when we meet them in real life we look at you as a cartoon and i'm sorry if it hurts your feelings this is not made for you stop listening to it you know yeah i mean it's interesting because you guys do have such a unique voice like your podcast is so fun to listen to that I can understand where people cast members because I deal with so many of them where they would get butthurt on something like that. But like, oh yeah, for me, it's like, come on, they're clearly doing a job and they're really fucking good at it. Like, take it with a grain of salt and you know, and it, and enjoy it for what it is. We're I say it all kidding. the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right. Now that said, I'm a giant hypocrite, and if I heard anything about me, like any of this i would cry like a little bitch so i'm you know i acknowledge that right up front but it's really just the old the old school of what we started in tv recap well what we, what i started doing when i was tv recapping it was already being being done but it's just that snarky that old school snarky internet humor is just like rag on every little thing and every single person and it's just like an old art form okay and i'm <laughs> I'm not apologizing. Yeah, I mean, my my whole thing is I'm just trying to make Ronnie laugh. Like, I really, that's always been my thing because, like, I actually, Ro Ronnie is not necessarily an easy laugh. So I feel like I'm always trying to just, like, throw things at the wall to see what is going to, what's going to be the, the, the thing 
that is going to like strike his fancy. That's going to make him want to kind of like sort of like uh, do like riff on it, etc. And that's like my only goal. That's like, I mean, I want to say, oh, I want to put a really good show. But I feel like if I can get if, if I get Ronnie laughing, I shouldn't say he's not an easy laugh because he laughs. But like the big belly laughs where I just like totally blindside him with something he was not expecting. Like that is like, that's what I want. We're our only audience, you know, at the end of the day, we don't hear anybody else. Like maybe somebody will bitch at us on Twitter about something, but some of what I think are our most fun episodes that we just are like both on fire and having so much fun together and made up so many different things. We won't get any comments on Well, like maybe the ratings of it or whatever, like the listenership will be super low. No one ever talks about it. So we can't do it for that. You know, we just have to like show up every day because man, if we're in a shitty mood with each other, oh my God, we'd both sink. It would sink. It would yeah. absolutely sink. You know, we wouldn't have a job. Yeah, and when you li- when you listen to your show, I I'm, especially for me, I can hear the banter between the two of you guys, and like you'll throw a joke at one another and wait for the other to pick up what you're putting down or not. Yeah, and like I I love I love hearing that, and I think that that's what makes for great vi- um, audio storytelling. You know, because truthfully, I did radio for a really long time, and like back in the day when people actually listened to the radio. So you when you mm-hmm. were on a morning show. You had to really fucking talk for a long time. You had oh, to yeah. know how to tell a story with your voice. And that's really what you're doing with podcasts, you know? And it's it's so interesting to me because sometimes you even like you're talking so much that you totally forget what, what the fuck was I talking about? <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I just start on a joke that I have no idea where it's going to go because we have all these notes and I'm just, I, sometimes I'll read a note that's just supposed to orient me and what the scene is. It's like, oh, Maddie walks into Republic. And I think I wrote that down because something funny happened and nothing funny happens. And so I'll be like, so Maddie walks into Republic and then she goes and she picks up a menu. And then I'm like, oh, there's no joke here. Mm -hmm. So I just have to like come up with some stupid hot take on the fly. Like, and you know what? Fuck menus, you know, or I have to just like try to like throw it to Ronnie to see if he can like make something of it or whatever. And I feel like that's a lot of it. And it does like, I have to say like the we do like hyper banter for, for a full hour. And it is very, it, uh, when we're done recording, sometimes I definitely need to just like Exhausting. fall over on a sofa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm yeah. an old school talk radio fan. Like yeah, I listen to so, so much of that. I would not listen to music radio, only talk radio. And back then, God, I feel like I'm 90 years old talking about this, but <laughs> before all of this there was just the radio you had like the fm talk station where it was like four you know four people like usually like three dudes and a chick and they're like making jokes and like sound effects and stuff or then you had am which was like rush limbaugh and Mm. um, dr laura just yelling at people um phil hendry was so good he was the first one i ever heard that was doing characters do you did you ever listen to him he would do i've heard i've heard him before yeah yeah, he would play the radio host right he'd have have a show called the phil hendry show and then these he would have these guests on and the guests were just horrible people it was like this lady who wanted to ban fat children from the community center because it made the thin children feel bad and she would just go on and on he's like you can't talk like that and people would just start calling in like, how dare you? And they would just be furious. 
not knowing that he was playing both of the characters, you know, mm-hmm. and then he he played all the characters on the show. And I was just obsessed with that. I thought it was so cool. And I remember thinking, God, I would love if I could do something like that one day. And I can't believe we kind of do. We do. Know? I mean, yeah, that, sometimes when you guys are doing characters, I get I get lost because I'm not sure who's doing it sometimes. <laughs> like, I'm like, wait a minute, who who's who's doing that this time and who's not? Like, I try the more that I've been listening, the more I'm like, I think I know which one of you that is. But you guys are you guys are good at it. And it's and it's fucking funny. And it's just like listening to you guys like. You made a joke the other day. I was listening, and where you were like, "Oh, we are listening to seven, or we're watching seven thousand hours of Below Deck," and I don't know why I laughed so hard at that joke because I was just like, "It is so true." Because there's so many of them on the oh network that it really feels like the network is always playing <laughs> Below Deck it's nonstop, always on. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And, and by the way, sometimes people. it's hard to tell us apart because sometimes I find that when I'm doing a voice, I'm not so much doing a voice of the person on the show. I'm just doing my own version of Ronnie's impersonation. Just <laughs> imitating each other to That's try and funny. match whatever we're doing. That's but funny. those poor people also on Below Deck, um, literally, you know, they never get a break because if they're hated on their season, you know, and we're friends with a few people from that one. If you're hated on a season of Below Deck, it never fucking ends because then they play it they play your season five times a year. And so yeah. you've always got some rando who's just watched it all in a day, who's like, you, you know, cursing them out and just yeah. going on their Twitter and sending them all this hate mail. And to them, it's like, dude, this was six years ago. Like, <laughs> yeah. get a life, you know? But to the audience, it's just fresh anger constantly. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that too, because I, I taped another episode of my podcast and it'll be coming out around the time the, this one does with Laganja Estranja from Drag Race. It's been a friend of mine for a long time. And she really, unfortunately, got a lot of that because when she went through it, it was such a traumatic experience for her. And then when the show aired, it was like reliving that experience. And, you know, she shared with me, it was like a year and a half of just people fucking hated her, you know? And then finally she was able to really rebound from all stars uh, and it's be able rough. to get back from that. But, but it is, and it brings me to a point too, is like, I guess all three of us can weigh in on this, you know, unfortunately and unfortunately like social media is a a great thing. In my opinion, I love social media. It allows me to connect with people in a different way and keep up with friends that I may live across the country. I don't get to see all the time and see my friends from high school, raise their kids. And like, I love things like that. Right. Yeah. And then there's an element of it where it's all I like, there's a, part of me where I I find myself wanting to tell people to shut the fuck up all the time. But I'm like, through my own work and therapy, I'm like, no, 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 let's not do that. But really, it gives everyone the right to feel like they can have an opinion that is right. Like, that's the thing that drives me crazy. Just because you have this inside voice. Exactly. That Mel, that Mel Gibson movie, um, What Women Want. Was that what (laughs) it was called? Yes, it was. Helen Hunt was in that, I think. Yes. Yes. Like suddenly someone puts magic on him or whatever, and he has no filter. And he just said exactly what's on his mind. People are monsters. Okay. We're cavemen. We're fucking cavemen. And we just learn to edit ourselves better. And like how it comes out of our mouths is better. But if you want to see how terrible people still are, you look at social media, any Facebook, literally any news article where there's comments, or watch people on the road when they're driving and watch how a 20-something-year-old man will 
scream double flip off curse f u c word and everything a little old lady who's just trying to make it down the road you know right. what i mean right <laughs> right the inside voice we all hear it now yep. yeah it's it's wild to me because it, it really is no filter like there really is no like pause yourself before do you really want to post that like people just think and then they don't think that they're wrong you can have a point of view but it doesn't mean it's the only one <laughs> like yeah. that's what that's kind of what drives me crazy about social media and reality stars unfortunately get a lot of that i remember yeah. when i worked on the first season of potomac right and i i remember when we oh God, when i was working thing. on it um we didn't know it was going to be a housewives and then they found out right before it was announced and yeah, it like manners or something like it was like that, it like... was just called potomac ensemble was what we and then oh. we i we had amazing i had amazing bosses who you know came just basically were like we're going to shoot it like a housewives whether it is or not mm. um and but i remember they got so much shit because their refrigerator and their appliances were white <laughs> well, and people were we so mad to that we may have <laughs> That was an ongoing joke on our podcast at that time about like their shitty uh, like appliances and fixtures. Yeah. Well, that was also from Real Housewives of Atlanta. That became a thing. Because yes. You remember when Kenya came mm -hmm. on the show and then wasn't it Nene giving her shit like, oh, please, <laughs> you rent and you have a white refrigerator. And that just yes. became the iconic poor person thing on bravo was it sure did <laughs> i, sure I did. think that appliances are safe i think those are like safe to go after you know like you know like they would say like children family though that's off limits but i'm i think refrigerators i'm totally down for interior de decor like we've gone pretty hard in the past on various um bravo people's child Mackenzie's oh, child everywhere for her throat all the time yeah, like Gretchen Rossi when she was on Orange County. Oh my goodness! Every time they shot a scene in her house with just the, the it was just like a a collecting ground for Marshall's rejects, you know. And like we would definitely, definitely troll her about that. But I also think there's like a limit. Like it's one thing for Ronnie and I. I think for anyone on a podcast to be joking about, you know, um, look at that stupid refrigerator or look at that 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 microwave or Karen Huger's got like a fax machine because I think, cause you can also get our tone and you can get the vibe that we're saying it in. But if we, if we're joking, like, Oh God, Karen, Karen's stupid fridge. But then someone writes a comment to Karen and says, your stupid fridge. It comes off like so much more venomously yeah. Yeah, and like true. aggressively that it's, it's different on and social neither media. One of us really, neither one of us have a handle on that. I mean, I think Ben's good at social, like as, as his personal self, you know, he'll be like recipes or here's my opinion <laughs> on this or whatever. But neither one of us are really like, fuck you, Lisa Rinna. <laughs> like neither one of us do that shit on Twitter. Like I get my say already. I don't need to be doing that shit anywhere else because I come off bad enough when you can actually hear me. Okay. Like, <laughs> in writing, I'm way worse. Like I try and limit what I even say in emails because I think people just assume it's horrible, you know, or I'm being horrible. Yeah, there are a lot of all. Yeah, there are a lot of unfortunately a lot of assumptions that are made through some with somebody's tone through text, which I find yeah. infuriating. <laughs> yeah, we really like to on social media, at least for me, I really try as best as possible to lead with humor and comedy. And we even have a thing up we have there's a facebook group for watcher crappens and we have a thing up that says like basically the guideline for this group should be 
you want to be Luann on stage at her cabaret. You don't want to be Dorinda in the audience going, Giovanni. <laughs> like, you don't want to lead with bitterness. Like, it should not, when you post things and when you respond to things, it should be like, even if you have something, like someone's made you so mad, like respond with a funny gif or respond like, or, or find like come find the, the comedy in the situation. Because if you don't, then it just winds up being this like, toxic thing that just builds on itself and i'm not saying i'm perfect that i've never written a toxic or angry thing on social media but i think like that's really the way to go yeah i i agree with that um well let's let's get into some bravo talk shall we so i wear my republic shirt for you guys yeah oh my god republic dmg there it is there it is I, I, I'm sure I can get Lever to send you guys one. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'm sure. That. Yes, they were all they were all very excited to hear that I was having you guys on. So oh, I love it. Yeah, they're 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 a great group of um, folks there on Soho. So the Bravo world is an eclectic bunch of people. I personally have been a part of many of teams. I just want to say I, I love my Bravo work. I want to continue it. Uh, so I will voice my opinion as much as I can to still stay employed. <laughs> yes. Um, and uh, I've always just been a team member. I'm not a showrunner as of yet. Hopefully, you know, that'll come soon enough. But I've worked for some incredible bosses and the people at Bravo are fantastic. And, you know, companies like Truly Original and Haymaker and, you know, um, they keep me employed. And I'm very honored to have been part of that. My first show ever in production was the first season of Top Chef. Wonderful. Very first season. When wow, Katie like 2004. Lee, wow. Yes, when Katie Lee Joel was the host, which was Billy Joel's wife at the time. I remember. Yeah. Um, I was the talent coordinator. Yeah. I, it's the wildest thing is it was my last semester at film school. And my roommate came home at the time and was like, hey, I got a job working on a reality show. And I was like... I want to work in reality TV and unbeknownst to me, and you'll, you guys will find this like, aha, Oprah full circle moment. I did stand up, and half of my routine was about reality TV. It was half of my routine was about being overweight. Cause I was super overweight back in the day. Half of my routine was about reality TV and my love for it. So cuts to I'm in my last semester of film school. My roommate comes home and he was like, Hey, you could come work for me for like three weeks. That's all I can just hire an assistant for three weeks. And I was like, no, how am I going to, how am I going to do that? I'm in school full-time. I have a full-time job. There's no way I went to bed. I slept on it. I quit my job the next day. I switched all my classes to online and I went and worked and I've been working in television ever since. And your roommate was Tom Colicchio. Wow. That is an amazing (laughs) story. (laughs) No wonder I got the job. (laughs) That's so cool. uh, My first show to recap, what got me into TV recapping um, was Top Chef season two. Amazing. Los Angeles. Yeah. I helped, I helped cast that one. Um, And I actually had Alon Hall on my podcast a couple of weeks ago and he was the winner of season two. That was an iconic season. Never going to get away. There's one who's never going to get away from the internet. Ever. I know. Amazing. Him and Marcel and Sam. And he was not the same at all. He doesn't look the same. He doesn't talk the same. I'm trying to remember what show it was. It was like some food network thing he came on to. He's been on a bunch of stuff. He had his own show on the Esquire Network. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. He had a show there. Um, And then he was just a guest judge on um, Easy Bake Off on Netflix uh, that Anthony from Queer Eye hosted. He was just a judge on that. Yeah. So Sam looks totally different, too, by the way. He looks like a 100% different person. 
Yeah, they were they were a great bunch. And honestly, that was the season that, if you remember, had the iconic head shaving incident yes. that all yeah, went that's down. When that show went. That's when that show like became yep. amazing. Yep. I mean, well, yeah. the first the first season was amazing because it had Tiffany already, and like, I'm not your Correct. bitch, bitch. Yep. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. that. And Dave, oh, yeah. yeah. But the yeah, first they're... season was also when it was more like. Um, how does a private caterer and like a, a culinary student and an established chef and a sous chef, how do they all like when you put them all together, who's going to reign supreme? And now it's all just like, please welcome six times James Beard yeah. Award winner <laughs> and inventor of Noma and of Parsley, here, Joanne Plumplum. Second James Beard's wiener. Raise your hand. Um, but yeah, I wanted to say something about Tiffany actually yeah. that first season. A good now, friend of mine. Someone now. just tying in the social media part of it. Social media wasn't as hardcore back then, but it was still a thing. And that's, I think, when the evil is forming, you know, when it Agreed. really the, started. The witch's brew evil. was brewing. Yes. Yep. And I think Tiffany got it really hard. And I think that she's somebody throughout the years who has continued to just get fucking pummeled i mean this woman never it never ever stops for her she went on top chef all-stars she got pummeled again she went on some hgtv she gets pummeled again i am i do not know this woman but i have to say i am so proud of her yeah. <laughs> for like staying staying out of the house like not just yeah. like going into the fetal position but also excelling as much as she has like yeah i mean I the woman owns from a watching these uh what's that chain of restaurants now where she she finally won this show and she did so good i'm i don't know i was like i got tingly i was like tiffany overcame all of this shit and she's like super successful and she never changed her personality. She's still a grumpy asshole. I was like, yes, yeah. gold, <laughs> gold medal. <tip." laughs> I'll tell you a little little tidbit. If you ever go back and watch the reunion of Top Chef on that first season, Tiffany storms off the set upset. And they, the, everyone's like, where's she going? Where's she going? And you cut to her like bent over. And it's me with her. Being oh. like, are you okay? Uh -oh. And I'm like rubbing her back. Swear to God, <laughs> true uh -oh. story. Um, because I had saw her when I was on set. I saw her run off, and and like my instinct was like, oh, I hope she's okay. So like I ran over to her, not knowing anything otherwise. And and then they used it in the show. Funny enough, but um, uh yeah. So I went on to to do. I worked on a lot of them. I worked. I helped start Potomac. I was part of that team. Uh, I've worked on Dallas Housewives. Um, I worked, there's a lot of like of those shows on Bravo that were, you know, a couple of seasons and then went away. Like the thicker than water was one of my favorite shows. And it was something that was hmm. really stood out to me because it was so different on Bravo and it did really well in the first couple of seasons and then kind of went down. Um, but they kind of, <clears throat> they canceled it when water. I felt, which one was that? Like, it was about the Southern family in the South, the black family who owned the church and they were really mm -hmm. well off. Oh but my I God. loved working yes. on that and show. Was like, oh, the Lord blesses us with riches. And there's yes, no, yes. And they have like their <laughs> private, oh yes. That's yeah. the show. And that and, family, I was shocked at how that family was like, fuck it, let's go at each other. You know, they're like this really hardcore Christian family, yeah. all about their religion and their faith. And they're like, oh, really? Well, fuck you. And you know what you did to dad? You did it for, I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they definitely understood what making good TV was. They understood, I, yeah. I will say, I think in my humble opinion, and Bravo don't hate me, I think that one of the biggest mistakes Bravo ever made was canceling Southern Charm New Orleans. Oh, 100%. 
Yes. Southern Charm New Orleans was so good. Also, I like that there was actually a very diverse cast, but I also, but also all the guys, almost all the guys were really hot, but yeah. uh, most importantly, it was just a good, it was a good group. And um, I loved actually the New Orleans setting. And I know there were, I feel like Bravo has kind of struggled to expand the Southern charm brand with spinoffs. And it seemed like Nola actually had an audience. And uh, I, I am, I'm still actually pretty surprised and I hold out a hope that they are going to reboot it because th- that second season was also pretty messy in a really good way. Yeah, it was so different. I think, you know, uh, what I love about it and I, I did the first season, I didn't work on the second, but I knew everyone on the team. Um, but, uh, you know, those, I think they hit a point where they were, I think they were trying to figure out story-wise where people were going to go. And you know how this show, these kind of shows have ebbs and flows with people. And sometimes people are stronger in other seasons than they aren't. Um, I, you know, I can't speculate too much on why, but I do mess, think, you know, it wasn't consistent. It's like, they had some really good things on it. Like if you get Tamika mad, you know, like when you get Tamika in conflict with anybody, yeah, that's good. Right. Yeah. Because she's like, so Tamika and then uh, Reagan, you know, weirdo little Reagan's life is fun, but then she got burned by the cast and wouldn't share any of it with them. So then you've got all these groups not willing to film with each other. And it's like, listen, if you're going to make it in a show, you've got to all be like, if not friends, you've got to be a group. You've got to mm-hmm. be a cast that's willing to show up. I don't know anything about that show. This is just me as somebody who watched every episode. It seems yeah. like they wouldn't do that. It's like some yeah. of them wouldn't shoot with someone and then they wouldn't let this person back in and they wouldn't. And if you're going to do that, there can't be a show. But I wish that they had taken like the some of the core people. Like if you're going to follow Reagan, keep Reagan and, and cast around her because yeah. she had a lot of crazy friends. And then Tamika is apparently some kind of a fame whore out there, you know, just from old queen in a bar that we talk to every once in a while. So <laughs> she's always out there, you know, trying to be famous. So surely she's got a lot of people you could cast around. Um, but I don't think that it worked with the cast the way it was because the cast didn't want to make it work. But yeah, but maybe that- maybe they reboot it now. Maybe it's uh, now that Bravo's maybe flexed to say, we could cancel it, but we're going to give you a second chance. So you better show up. You could have a Miami situation where it comes back. Everyone realizes, okay, we do have an assignment and we're going to just go and we're going to come in guns blazing. I mean, at the very least, put it on Peacock or something. Just it should be there. Cause I actually thought that all the people on that show were, were pretty interesting too. Like they were people I was interested about, which I can't always say about other shows. And it just was weird to me that that show gets canceled after two seasons, whereas other shows just sort of can languish onwards. Like some of those million dollar listings. I'm like, why is this still on the air? You know? Yeah. And it's interesting too, because if you, if you just look at numbers, the show did well, you know, we're, I mean, ratings for networks overall are a little down as far as live viewership goes. The plus threes are what really carry a show now when people watch it on demand or, you know, on their DVR afterwards. And that's what really makes shows spike up. Um, but you know, the numbers were good. They weren't bad. So I always found it really interesting. Um, was it a pandemic it, victim? Cause I feel no, like the second season happened, ended. No, nope. it happened before that. Yeah. I, oh. I don't know. It's interesting. And I hope that they do something with those, those people I've tried. I've, I've developed and casted a couple other projects. I'm always trying to put Tamika on something because I think she's fucking amazing television. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Justin Reese from that show too. I love I love everything about him. He's a dad now. Like there's so much organic story there with them. And I think, I hope they find their way back to Bravo. I've been dying to ask you guys about a couple of things. Bravo-centric drama. Okay. Reza versus Kyle Richards. Oh, that was a, a big 100%. redemption thing for for Reza for me. Because, you know, sometimes Reza will just grate us. Because he's Reza is so toxic on Shaz of Sunset. And and he somehow gets away with it. And there are so many times, like, Reza is a terrible, terrible person. But then when he uses his, like, toxicity for good, you're like, <laughs> oh, I like Reza again. <laughs> this is why I always watch this yeah, show. Reza didn't even say anything bad. He was asked a question who is the most overrated housewife? And he said, Kyle Richards. And then he said, and I want LVP back. That's not a very controversial opinion. You know, Kyle Richards did gang up to get rid of LVP and she deserves whatever her evil little butt gets in return. And I don't think that that's anything compared to what a lot of people say on Watch What Happens Live about each other. I felt like that was pretty innocent and Kyle needs to shut the hell up and stop complaining and go back to her stupid chessboard floor and her <laughs> stolen, ripped off pink neon you know, well, the online Roosevelt yeah. I think the online clapbacks is where it was in, it got a, like a, a stretch for me. Like Kyle said something back to him, and then he was like, "Oh well, at least I talked to my sisters." And then they tagged their sisters <laughs> in a post, yeah. and like that's me. Well, that I was, was like, slow. "But that's that was yeah." But-, but her saying, "Oh yeah, well, I'm still on a show. He's irrelevant. His show is canceled." That's like taking someone's family, especially when you're talking to an old gay man. Yeah, yeah. Reza, <laughs> Reza's whole brand is that he goes low. I mean, has anyone not seen Shaz of Sunset? He has destroyed friendships of 30 years. He screamed from a balcony about abortions that MJ had. That's his best friend of 30 years. He has dragged everyone through the mud. He does not care whatsoever if he's going to tag Kathy Hilton and and Kim Richards to yeah. drag Kyle. Kyle should have known better. It's like me. I, I would never try to drag like Nini leaks on Twitter. Like that's not going to happen. I'm not, I'm not coming out of that alive. Okay. So Kyle, Kyle's an idiot for trying to think that she was going to get Reza and he was just gonna be quiet about it. That is true. That is true. I worked on three Shaw's reunions. So mm. I have seen all and heard all. Uh, and I'll, I love, I love them very much. I think they're actually individually actually really good people um i always thought mike was really nice i mean he's just a pig that's all yeah. i mean truthfully he's just a pig but he's, yeah, he's nice guy. yeah i want i want to get your opinion let's talk about jen shaw because the craziest thing has gone down jen shaw the bravo interview doesn't happen because of contractual shit right doesn't happen she doesn't want to let bravo have creative control then the woman decides that she's going to do something through her website to give her real story. Mind you, this is the obvious point that everyone and their mother has now pointed out since she released this, that the woman going to prison for credit fraud, stealing people's information, now wants you to go to her website <laughs> and give her your credit card information. Yeah. Only scams. Talk about this. I can't. And like people are gonna do it. What what is it called? Isn't it called like Dear Jen Shaw or something? Dear Jen. I Dear the Jen Shaw Defense Fund. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. I listen, yeah, there's gonna be one brave soul. Hold on, I'm gonna go on here and look at it. The real story of Jen Shaw. Yeah, that's, that's what it is. One so one person will go on there and they'll pirate it and then they'll just put it out on the internet or we'll just get like the 
we'll get the excerpts, but I, well, hopefully I don't this know. is really being run by Angie Harrington's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I just I I literally boggles my mind. My friend Trey first I saw it in his Instagram story and I said, God, that is such a good point. You literally did like and now you're asking for people to pay you something are you she's overestimated her star power okay i'm so sorry too. you're a season three housewife you're not the first criminal on bravo and the truth is that you have to come to the audience you can't have the audience go to you so you should have gone to the reunion or you should have done even the andy sit down but now you want us to go to your janky site and pay money when you're convicted of fraud like you said Absolutely not. I already have I'm a website. Done. Don't I'm need done. to be signed up for another one. I've already been done. I was done with her when she first started. I've never liked her. I don't like her um, her fakeness. I think she's just fake. She just makes stuff up. She just throws crap at the wall at people. I don't like that. I like when it's about real people. Somewhat. Real delusional, crazy, over-the-top people, but still somewhat real. I mean, she's just so full of it. I'm so glad she's going away. I'm sad it's only for six and a half years. But I'm done with her, you know, like yeah. that's a mystery that's been solved. You know, mysteries don't just keep going on. 2020 just ends. It doesn't just keep going on with the same <laughs> story. Like she's guilty. She's going to jail. Move on. I don't care why you did it. I don't care what your stupid excuses are. And I'm certainly not going to pay you to listen to your damn excuses. Woman, go to jail. Get your suit on. I want to see where your fillers are in six and a half years. That's yeah. all I want to see from you. Thank you. Man. Yeah, I had a moment. It was it was funny. I had a moment earlier in the season of Salt Lake City where I was like, you know, weirdly enough, I'm sort of enjoying Jen Shaw this season. Because in the first half of the season, she was, well, I guess maybe she was sort of being, quote unquote, more humble. But it wasn't that I, it wasn't that I liked that she was being humble. It was that she wasn't doing as much of the, but what about me? You don't know what I've gone through. She was just sort of like, she was like giggling and like there was like a fun side of her that they were capturing. And I was like, you know, I kind of like her. And plus also it was overlapping with Beverly Hills where we were just seeing Erica Jane. Erica Jane was like, yep. and I just was like, you know, I kind of like, I just kind of like the Jen Shaw of my brand of criminal. I'm, I'm more in the Jen Shaw space right now, but then, um, but then midway through the season, it was like, as soon as I declared that on the podcast, and this always happens, like as soon as I publicly announced that, she just started to become so awful and so terrible. I was like, well, there goes that. There it is. There I am again, <laughs> being on the wrong side of history. <laughs> again, I, I, I've known, um, I've known Erica Jane probably 11 years, 10 years. I was a big club promoter for a long time and she used I to seem perform. to remember you being a club promoter, our, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was big time. I used to do Here Lounge and uh, all those places. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Factory, nightclub oh. in West Hollywood. She was a man about town, honey, man about town. But Erica used to perform in all of our nights and we became really good friends. So when she got put on Housewives, I was like, oh my God, this is a perfect fit. Um, and uh, the rest was history, as we have seen for multiple seasons. Um, the good and the bad, I'll take it all because I love me some Erica James. No, she can do no wrong in my eyes. Yeah, I mean, I've I've from from mutual friends, I've heard actually nothing but great things about her. But at the same time, just I can only judge her based on what we see on Beverly Hills and I guess sure. news articles. But I can only see I judge her as how is she as a castmate on Beverly Hills and how is she on the show? And uh, based on how she is on the show, I give her like uh d plus maybe c minus d plus because i actually feel that she uh has never really let us in to her life and i feel like she has um 
she brought in a lot of glam squads. Glam squads sort of really took off after her. And I feel like the, the glam squads to me are like a metaphor of um, fabrication, of of lack. They represent lack of real things or, la- or, or a substitution of story, of, of real storyline. Um, watching people get into glam, watching people check out each other's dresses to me is a substitute for having like real conversations that we can become then invested in people. And so I've not been very happy with her on the show. Hmm. I like it. No matter about it. I, I, I respect everyone's point of view. Uh, (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about Soho. So I, when I got called about doing this job, the showrunner I've known, like I know his name from the credits. Like this is a guy who has been, Somebody I admire. He's done a lot of big shows. He did Vanderpump. I never even looked. His name is Bill, Bill Langworthy. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and wow, he did yeah. he did Vanderpump. He did The Hills. Great guy. He did this show that figures. Yeah. So I when I got when he they offered me the job, I, I took the job. I didn't care what it was. I would have been a fucking PA. I was like, I I want to work with that guy because he's so genius. Um, and I really like to go into jobs and, and learn from the people that I work with. I always feel like I learn something new every time I work on a show oh, from cast or otherwise. But um, so I went into the show really just like not sure of what to expect. And I tell you, I had the most amazing experience. The cast, God love them. I love them, the pieces. Mm. I think um, what I think I can say objectively uh, in hopes that if we do, if the show does get a season two, that I would be asked back, is that the cast are authentically themselves at all times. Without, I won't. I don't even blink when I say that. I think what the best part about it being a producer is that when you know when we're there, we're helping guide the situation, right? Like I always say, we don't produce the content; we produce the situation. Um, what happens on camera is what our cast members do. We just help navigate the course. Like we're putting together a puzzle, but I think what I love about them is that they listened. You know, if I were to give them feedback on things, they listened and they showed up and they understood when I pushed them on something, there was a reason for it. And I appreciate that about them. I appreciate that about the Potomac ladies. They just made our jobs easier, you know, because not that I didn't show up to work and work 14 hours a day every day, but you know, they were open to listening to, to me as a producer. And I appreciate that. And I, I, I think they all have amazing room to grow. When you think about longevity of shows, right. When I look at Southern hospitality, this is a show I can still see on air 10 seasons later, the cast yeah. is diverse. They're different. They have places to grow. They all have flaws that they, um, embrace and are willing to learn you know like that's what that to me is what a show on bravo is about where you can see it but don't let them don't let them become adults because (laughs) that's what happened on vanderpump rules is they everything was great they were all working at sir or at least pretending to work at sir and uh, and they just were all up in each other's business and then all of a sudden one summer they all decided they finally like we're cashing out. We're going to buy our houses in the Valley and it's going to be about having houses and getting married. And I'm telling you, just make sure those kids in Charleston, they just stay forever young and, and, and bring in, bring in new kids to make sure when they do sort of age out and they want to do things like start families that, that, that like we have a new crop of, of petty young youngsters. 
Well, I'll make sure that the people at Haymaker uh, listen to you and uh, they hear your they hear your feedback. What did you think? Uh, obviously, Ronnie, I live for your Maddie impressions. Not going to lie. Be a man, Joe. Be a man, Joe. Joe. <laughs> Joe. <laughs> I wish people could like see your flying. face. I wish people could see you doing it. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Uh, what I were your highlights of the season? doing it right towards the end, too. But she didn't ever. She only got really furious a few times so we didn't get to see it that much but yeah what were your highlights for the season i mean look grace lily's whole thing i love i love that you guys found somebody that fucking insane because she really is just that certain kind of person when the show first started someone tweeted something out her like because you know we made a lot of hula hoop jokes jokes because she was like i'm a hula hooper and her mom's like oh yes honey hula hoop and petting that weird dog or cat or whatever yeah. they had and so we were making hula hoop jokes and she just tweeted i actually am quite good at the hula hoop and you'll see later this season and i was like you go you go weirdo like it's not really about you and your hula hooping but i love that in a person i was like this girl's got promise <laughs> oh my god yeah there, there uh, definitely was there was one episode i forget which episode it was where i was like oh god this episode was so good maybe it was when they went to nascar i don't know they just you know what i liked about this first season is it kind of had that that kind of rugged cheapness and i'm not saying that in the best way i'm not saying that as a as an insult but the way that like the first season of vanderpump rules they were just none of them had any fame um they just were they were just there like that like that shitty airbnb that they got for the shit for in 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 south carolina or north carolina like that was so season one vanderpump rules you know and um there was like i really enjoyed this uh they're just, I feel like they're just excited to be on a TV show. You well, know? I think that's the beauty about first season shows is remember, we go in, the whole concept of a show like this is we're following real people, right? So like we are, for all intents and purposes, just documenting people's lives. Right. Um, what happened with Bravo and the world, and I don't know if you guys can disagree or disagree, but it's, it, I feel like it kind of started with Jersey where the lines of reality star and reality star really started to blur, right? Where we started to include the headlines and we started to include the fame of it all um, across the board, really in reality shows in general. But I really do feel like it maybe it was Teresa time where we saw a shift Mm -hmm. in how the narratives were told where that celebrity of it all was really kind of embraced by the shows because there was no way to avoid it. Yeah, Truthful, I mean, even this. Tried. Yeah, they tried with social media. Uh, social media, because remember how on all the Housewives reunions they would say, "Well, on social media, on social media," and so we said, you know, they heard it from the most evil housewife of all time, social media, because they would <laughs> never just say Twitter or Instagram. It was always social, you know. Yeah. And so um, it was the longest time that was the rule. And then finally, they just had to be like, fuck it, you know? So then they slowly opened the door to, well, you said on Twitter, but you said on Instagram, but you said, and then it became, now it's like, you have to follow in all these different places. And I remember Ben and I had a meeting with Bravo years ago. It's just like a friendly <laughs> meeting. It was no big, like, we weren't going to get a show or anything. It was just like a yeah. general. And uh, we were saying, you guys need to open the door because you'll have people following on every single platform 
it's riveting. I was like, I sit here and like read this stuff and then try to compare it to like what date they were filming and you, oh, do it, do it. And now they it's gotten to the point where it's too much. It's like, you can't keep up. Like some of these shows, you don't know what the hell they're talking about because the whole fights happen on social media and you don't have access to that. So unless you're crazy like me and, and reading all the social plus watching the shows and taking meticulous notes you can look back on, there's no, there's no way to follow half of this shit, you know? And that's why uh, Ultimate Girls Trip has been fascinating because the biggest surprise coming out of that has been seeing how the show has been totally transparent about fourth wall issues. Like they, they actually have conversations about their time on the housewives about experiences, production, which I think is great. And I, I I actually really appreciate that because audiences are very savvy. We are all reading gossip in the news. And every time we, we watch one of these shows and someone says, well, I've been with this group for a long time. You know, this group is always like cast member on this TV show, you know, um, you know, I don't feel condescended to, but at a certain point, it's like, you know, we all know what you're talking about. I understand you want to have a veneer of like, these are just ladies hanging out, having lunch. But this past week on Potomac, I was a little surprised because Karen explicitly referenced Andy Cohen. Andy Cohen said this at the reunion. And it used to be that they would say, well, when we were all in New York that New one York. time, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like we were all on a group trip that was not filmed, but we were all there. Yeah. Uh, now they're just <clears> saying <throat> the reunion, which is which is pretty cool. Um, but well, it is part but- of it, too, is Andy's fucking with him, too, because he'll have them on Watch What Happens Live and have them talking shit about each other. And then they use those clips in the show against each other. And yeah. it's like, well, <laughs> it's, it's actually like very like meta and postmodern, if you really, you know, it is. But but it was great. But that being said, it was that's why it was so cool to see um, Southern Hospitality because it felt like we were on the cusp of seeing a new Vanderpump Rules. And I want to say that um, when the show was announced, I was not fully excited for it because there have been several Vanderpump Rules knockoffs that have been bad and uh, been proof that. you know, there is actually an artistry and a skill to make these kind of shows and to cast these kind of shows. I think back, and I apologize ahead of time if you were involved in this production, but I think back to, uh, was it Welcome to the Abbey or something that was on mm-hmm. E? Mm-hmm. And to me, it was like trying to be like a Vanderpump Rules show. And I was just like, this isn't this isn't doing it. You know, there's like a certain X factor that comes with it. Maybe that's Bill Langworthy. The maybe that's the casting. The show that she yeah. had. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, there have been a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, <clears throat> you know, I think I'll say this from being from developing shows and casting shows and producing shows in the field. The casting is the most important and it's always the first thing to get cut in a budget sweep because mm. people don't realize how important a cast is not only to just sell a show, but to maintain a show. Right. Because if you have you can't just have a show with one or two stars and then filler around the rest. You got to have a solid cast really all around. And I do believe, in my opinion, that that's the difference with Southern hospitality. The cast across the board is yeah. interesting. They all have different stories. Like, I think I was listening to you recap the finale and you were saying uh, talking about Lucia's storyline and you were like, oh, I, I wish we had seen more of this throughout the season. I think. We're just talking, in my opinion, again, not anything to do with anybody above me. They've done an amazing job. But I think it just came down to landscape and how many minutes of television they have and what they can afford to show you guys. And I think what I took away from your podcast was 
what you're hoping to see for season two. And hopefully that we get there um, or the show gets there. I mean, whether, whether I go back or not. Good. So, Hey, so let me ask you a question and obviously you can choose not to answer. A lot of the rumors at the beginning of the season were that this wasn't really, wasn't really a cast of people that worked there. This was all just made up for TV. And then people are like, well, I'm not going to watch it because this isn't real. And they're not really friends. But then when we watch a show, obviously they do have history and they do really work there. So it seems like were were certain people just added in later, like is Mia someone that they added in kind of well, later to round I think out what the I, cast? Or... I think what I can say, because I really can't say too much, what I think I can say is that the group definitely has history across the board. They all know each other right. from one way, shape or form. Okay. I can say that. Maybe they, that's the X factor also. Red. Yeah, that they actually have I history. Think so yeah, they yeah. have to they can't just be cast on a show. I mean, Vanderpump rules, the thing about it that made it so great wasn't that they worked in a restaurant. And that's what everybody who tries to copy it fails at. It doesn't matter. Like, oh wow, you work at a at a gay club. Who cares? It's not about the location. It's the mm-hmm. you know, it's the friendships. Yeah, yeah and facts. I and I think I think that with Vanderpump rules, the reason why the adulting part was not as fun was a they they didn't have an organic way to really be in each other's lives and they would have these sort of sort of fake scenes of gathering at sir um and, and and also they just they clearly just were exhausted from gossiping and and creating drama in their lives so they would just fill it with sort of silly antics that no one really wants to see but i think the, when you when you come into a group of friends that are still young and they have like kind of a rich history and they're all up in each other's business, I think Rodney's right. It's not so much about the club. It's just about the fact that they the have, they're know. all intertwined and they are stuck to each other because they all have to come see each other and work with each other. And they all have that secret blow job, you know, while they were watching <laughs> whatever Betamax tape they were watching on the couch, whatever that was on Vanderpump Rules. You remember that? Oh God, I remember those days. So uh, we, I, I know you guys got to run. So I want to quickly have you guys talk about your tour. So you're going on tour. Give me the scoop. Yeah, we start um, February 2nd in Austin. We're going to be hitting 21 cities and we're doing our uh, big award show, the Golden Crappies in Los Angeles at the end of February. And um, yeah, 21 cities through June. And we love doing that and like meeting people and getting the last real life and trying to make people laugh in real life. And you can get all the ticket dates and uh, links and stuff like that at our website, watchwhatcrappens.com. Amazing. Um, before you guys go, I want to ask you one more question. Favorite cast member on Bravo of all time? All time? Oh God. That's a hard I, one. I can say I, I am just, I love Countess Luann de Lesseps. I She's just, she's so baddie. And her journey has just been so crazy that she went from a prim and proper countess to re- releasing books about etiquette and how you should act to then going to jail, having a cabaret career. I just think she just, and she's so, she has such a big ego, which I just think is hilarious. I just, I love her despite her flaws probably normally my my go-to answer is usually vanderpump but i really didn't love the way she just kind of was like i quit like i didn't love that 
Um, still like her, but I think the one that's given the highest of the highs and also the lowest of the lows, <laughs> definitely the funniest and the most toxic and dramatic at the same time is Nene Leakes. I've got to say, I mean, what a classic. Still, if you look up, if you're reacting to somebody in a text and look up a funny gif, it's always Nene. It is always fucking Nene. It's still that way. It always will be. I think that she's the queen. I just wish she hadn't taken herself down like that because she really went down in like a ball of fire. But yeah, man, she was good. Yeah. I don't know. Mine's, my, mine's hard because the original cast of Queer Eye, those guys changed my life. And that That's was you know, originally on Bravo. And I just, I don't, I, they, they helped me come out. You know, like, and I just have mm. a special place in my heart for them. So I don't, Aww, I don't know. Geez. It's, you know, I, I, I think the Carson Cressley's of the world and the Ted Allen's and Jay Rodriguez. I just love, I love those guys. So I think they have a, I think for a different reason, they have a special place in my heart. Probably why they'd be my favorite. For oh, sure. collectively. Yeah. But Carson and Tom had a great show that was only on for one season on Bravo yes. about like it was, it was so an interior good. design. It was so good. It was hilarious. And uh, I'm so I'm still mad that Bravo canceled that one. Like, there's so many great shows that Bravo has canceled. <laughs> I know. Well, hopefully now with Peacock having this resurgence and um, all the new subscribers and and they're they're spending more money. Hopefully, we'll be able to see a lot more of that. Um, I want to thank you guys so much again for being here. What a great time! Thank you again. Thank this you. has been this, this really has been was so great talking to you. Wonderful. Thank you, Woody, and, so um, much. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And can you guys, before you go, can you give me like a hey? This is Ben. This is Ronnie from Watchwood Crappens Live, and you're listening to What's Up, Woody. Sure. Hey, this is Ronnie, and this is Ben, and you're listening to What's Up, Woody. Awesome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Thank Thanks you. So much, Have a great day. Thanks for having us. Of course. Bye. Thank you. Keep in touch. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of What's Up, Woody. You can listen to past episodes on your favorite podcast streaming platform. Like, rate, and subscribe now. Or by visiting whatsupwoody.com. Follow us on social media. Instagram is at Woody Woodbeck and what's underscore up Woody. And on Twitter, it's at what's up Woody one. Have an amazing day and be kind to one another.